following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Before Wednesday night's K-State women's basketball game against Southern, Jeff Mitty was speaking with Matt Walters on the pregame broadcast. And in their pregame interview, Coach Mitty said, do not judge Southern by their record. They were just a one-win team, but they're a feisty team. K-State ended up beating them 84-52. Southern, you know... Would hit some shots in the second half. It could have been much worse, but they tried to do their best to make it respectable. K-State, the 12th ranked team in the nation, just one loss on the year. Earlier today, a one-win Southern team beat Oklahoma. Oh, my. 79-70. to Coach was right. Don't judge Southern by their record. He mentioned it again yesterday in the conversation that we had with him here on the game, pointing out the fact that their leading scorer had just come back from injury in time for the game with K-State on Wednesday night. So how much of a role that played today, I'm curious now. What, what a, what a uh, first of all, very interesting way to open the show, talking about Southern women's basketball. <laughs> But they're playing a lot of bye games. They've played at Iowa State, Oregon, Nebraska, K-State, Oklahoma, Purdue, Baylor, Texas, Miami. They've played at all those All on the road? Yes. Wow. It's a crazy road schedule. They're uh, HBCU, so that's part of it. Their athletic department is not very well funded at all. And, yeah, it's one of those things where when you're in that situation, it's almost a requirement and in – Mitty and I talked about that a little yesterday, too, and in bringing up the fact that, you know, when he was at uh, Arkansas State, it he had to raise a certain amount in guaranteed contracts. He had to have a certain number on the line in the budget for guaranteed contracts and, and Southern's in that situation where. You know, the, those those contracts give give them the opportunity to give their scholarships because otherwise that's uh, an entity that might not have a Division One program. Meanwhile, K-State men beat Wichita State yesterday 69-60, and now we have entered a, a six-day holiday K-State sports lull with, of course, the bowl game on the 28th, K-State women back at it on the 30th, taking on Cincinnati to open up Big 12 play. The K-State men will have their next game on January 2nd to take on Chicago State to wrap up the non-conference slate. Welcome to the game, Friday edition. Mitch Fortner alongside Troy Coverdale and Owen Burke is on our board today. Phone number is 537-1350. Kellis Robinette from the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle will join us here in this first hour. We'll get some Mitch in Vegas. The final number one song of the day that we will do is later on in today's show. Normal spot, 540-ish. Final number one song. This is our final live show in studio. Troy and I will be live Tuesday and Wednesday next week from Orlando. Those will be the only two shows that we have next week because, of of course, Christmas on Monday, bowl games on Thursday, and then we have a triple header of bowl games here on K-Man on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, triple header, by the way, tomorrow, too. That's right. 
starting early tomorrow, 1030. Um, before we continue on with the K-State men getting it done, we'll share some thoughts about that win over Wichita State. Wanted to share this news as uh, the Coast to Coast Twitter account uh, made this known as of an hour ago. Professor of practice and an advisor for K-State's radio station, Wildcat 91.9, Ian Punnett, uh, passed away at the age of 63. Um, a legendary, legendary broadcaster. He was a uh, – well, he had his own day, right? He had his own show like it was a, a Saturday show on mm-hmm. Coast to Coast mm-hmm. with um, – you know, he did take a break there around six or seven years ago. He got, he got sick. Um, wanted to take care of that, plus pursued a Ph.D., mm-hmm. and then he returned to his Saturday slot on Coast to Coast, and that's how I knew Ian was on Coast to Coast. I knew of Coast to Coast before I worked here on K-Man, and Coast to Coast, that starts at midnight, um, is the longest-running syndicated show we have on K-Man. We've had it for a very long time. Um, but Ian passed away earlier today, and uh, as far as we know, uh, we found out the news today. And uh, I never got to meet him. And I would have really loved to meet him. First of all, I was just a fan of his work. A fan of his work on Coast to Coast. Quite the story starting in the 80s. He worked at a lot of radio stations across this country. And by the way, he came to work here at K-State in 2018 and got to mentor a lot of young men and women who have the desire of making it a career in this business. A number of whom have worked with us here at Manhattan Broadcasting over the last few years. Yeah, Mason Voth uh, said a little something on mm-hmm. Twitter earlier today. He said that Ian was his favorite professor uh, at, while he was at K-State for his four years. And I, I heard a lot of great stories about Ian, um, but I never got I never got to meet him. That's one of the things that I will hate about this is that I didn't get a chance to meet him as well. I being a Wildcat 91.9, or at the time it was known as DB92 alum, uh, along with our general manager, Matt Walters. You know, we happen to both be in school at the same time and have classes together and the like. But I have an affinity for what they were doing with the station there. And, you know, under his leadership, being honored as the best collegiate radio station in the country for a university over 10,000 students. That was just this past February, which speaks to what he was doing with that program and and with the students. And I feel bad that I didn't get the opportunity to meet him either, because I would have loved to have picked his brain about what they were doing there at Wildcat 91.9. Highly suggest staying up tonight, listening to Coast to Coast tonight at midnight, because I'm sure there's going to be something said at at the very least about the legacy, the career of Ian Punnett, um, uh, excuse me, I, I'm, I'm dealing with a cough, and I'm sorry if I have to kill the microphone once in a while, <clears throat> but um, I think Ian was just one of three hosts in Coast to Coast history to have their title in, or have their name in the title. When the show kicks off, the voiceover guy comes up, Coast to Coast AM with George Nori, mm-hmm. with Art Bell, with Ian Punnett. Coast to Coast is a legendary radio show. And to be one of just a few that have, ha- first of all, have hosted the show, and to be one of a few to have your name in the title, that is a, 
amazing honor. Um, and I know Coast to Coast maybe isn't a show for everybody. It, it, it gets weird. It really does. And that's what I love about it. I'm so interested in a lot of things, and sometimes they cover stuff like that, like the paranormal. Mm-hmm. I love that kind of stuff. Um, but Ian Pundit, I remember him always on the weekends. Like He would do the Saturday show. I can't tell you how many times I'm driving back from doing a game somewhere or I'm on the road, follow K-State to wherever, and I'm driving back. It's late. I'm always tuning into Coast to Coast. I'm finding a station. If it's after midnight, I'm finding Coast to Coast. And Ian Punnett was such a huge part in my love for radio. Many others have been a part of that. But Ian Punnett was a huge part of that. So the the K-State community, the Manhattan community, the radio community, the broadcasting community lost a legend in Ian Punnett. So... NewsRadioKMain.com article has been posted about um, Ian Punnett. Go check that out. Um, and I'm sure, you know, moving forward, morning show, I'm sure on Monday we'll have something on him as well. Um, about Tuesday. Ian, or Tuesday, rather. You're right. Christmas <laughs> is on Monday. But Ian passing away at the age of 63. Um, okay. Cats. As we transition here. Um, first of all, great crowd last night. Holy cow. Holy cats. Yeah, right. A record setting crowd last night. And I, a week ago, I looked up the tickets on the T-Mobile Center website and, uh, I saw that the lower bowl was completely sold. I was like, as much as I've been doing PA, I've only done it twice prior in Kansas city. And the lower bowl had never been sold out as far as I know. Oh, really? And then I noticed that the upper deck, they're selling a ton of tickets. I was like, wow, this is going to be a really well-attended game. The Jerome Ting effect, people. <laughs> Just another sign on his impact for this university in K-State sports. 18,660. Sellout crowd. At the T-Mobile Center, K-State fans, pat yourselves on the back. For everybody that attended, thank you so much. That made it a great environment. It wasn't like a big student crowd or anything. There were some students there and some Wichita State fans, but there are no doubt about it. I mean, completely 95% K-State fans in attendance. That was awesome. Cats beat Wichita State 69-60, third straight win over the Shockers in, of course, the last three years. K-State improvements the record to 9-3. and Shockers fall to... Eight and four, you know, it is a win. And I'm not going to go as far to say, oh, man, that was just much better. I mean, whew, way to bounce back again after that loss against right. Nebraska and things are fine. I would not go that far. Yeah. K-State did what they needed to do to go win that game. I love the aggressiveness they had on offense. Get to the free throw line, and they did so 29 times, and then they made 23 field goals or 23 free throws. I mean, the efficiency, the free throw percentage, which was 80%, and the amount of times they got there, that was, I think, their best free throw performance of the season. Take, I mean, they had what forty nine attempts against North Alabama, um, you know, and which, but Wichita State's a better opponent than right. North Alabama, right. so K State should take pride about how well they got to the free throw line, and they took advantage of the whistles that they knew they could go get, go drive, try to get a shot up, and let's see if you can get to the free throw line now. With that being said, I was not happy about when they were getting shots up and not getting fouled, of them actually scoring twos. 
43% from two, going 14 of 32, that, that percentage is obviously not good enough, especially when Wichita State finished 52% from two-point range, and the, and K-State in the first half was getting killed in the paint. I, they And I mentioned this in, in Mitch Palm, you know, I'd love to see K-State really try to clamp down on defense, make them uncomfortable, try to make them the make tough passes, take tough shots. Cats were getting beat one-on-one to the hoop too many times, so... Defense, at least in the first half, I, I thought it got better in the second half, but maybe took a step back after its progression over the last few games, where I thought you know, against Nebraska and against LSU, where I thought K-State has been doing a better job on um, on the defensive side. But I, believe, I, I agree with Coach Ting, what he said, is that if you consider how K-State got fouled, got to the free throw line by attacking, really that does overshadow the pain points. On the paint numbers, K-State was outscored 38-26, but if you take in consideration the number of fouls they drew inside the arc, those pain points beat Wichita State's. And I do agree with that. That I, I think you do have to take that in consideration. The, the, the five-out offense still just – it's still so interesting to me. Um and again, I'm, I'll say this probably many times until they figure things out a little bit more on the offensive side. I'll never be the biggest expert in X's and O's, but I, I think with adopting this offense and no longer having Naquan Tomlin is one thing, but the things you want to do with the three out or the five out offense, which is the mismatches, driving, and the kicks, they're still figuring that out. It's not smooth whatsoever. Mm. It's still a lot of dribbling around the perimeter. I think there's way too many passes, but I will say I, I did love the effort from Tyler Perry coming off the screens. He would come towards the three-point the, the three line, catch the ball, turn and shoot. He was getting open shots. He hit three of 11 from three. And again, at least he hit three shots like he did I mean, against Nebraska. It's not a great percentage, but he did finish with 17 points. Got to the free throw line. He was six for six. So Tyler was more of a factor in scoring. Plus... I will say, you know, for a while there, K-State was great with the deflections. They were great with their hands. Was not consistent, but they were better in that department as well. Cats finished 6 of 18 from three-point range. That's just the second time this year they've shot under 22 threes in a game and finished 6 of 18. That's not bad. Not bad. Hopefully we'll continue to work on that. My biggest individual takeaway was David Gasson. David was much better. Much better. Three of five from the free throw line. That's the most free throw makes he's had this year. He was five of eight from the field for 13 points. K-State with some some balanced scoring. 17 from Tyler Perry. 15 from Cam Carter. And 11 from Arthur Kaluma. David was rebounding. He had nine. He, he was not perfect on defense. He gave up an and one, which should have been a, a, a an easy defensive stop. The guy just made a move, and it was much better than what David can handle, but David, I thought, made a big step. It, it was a it was a very necessary step, as Coach Tang will say, has said over and over again that David is David Gasson is the, the the hardest worker. Before practice, after practice, he took a personal that he missed six free throws against LSU. He missed a couple more against Nebraska, and then he made three of five. That that's definitely progress, and it was I think his best game of the year especially with three blocks mixed in there as well. So I like that, but I think at the end of the day, 
I don't know if Wichita State's that good. I don't really consider them a good team. They're they're decent. I think they're decent. K-State got out of there by nine. K-State figured out a way to get it done. I think that might be the motto for Big 12 play. Where K-State isn't going to boat race anybody, probably. You know, maybe they get one here and there against, you know, West Oklahoma State or West Virginia. But there's not going to be too many. There's going to be a lot of grinded out type of games. And with K-State at this point in the schedule, still trying to figure a lot of things out. Trying to become more consistent, more smooth. Definitely still trying to cut down on the turnovers. They had 17. Mm-hmm. Some silly plays were made. Ball just getting knocked out of their hands or getting owned underneath the hoop and where they should be scoring or rebounding better. They're just getting out-muscled in those areas. They're still trying to figure a lot of things out. That's going to carry over into Big 12 play, where they're still trying to figure some things out. That, again, I am intrigued to see what this coaching staff is able to do with the coming time here and again, it's a very short time when you take the holiday break with it, but there is at least time to be able to work with guys. Time that you don't get during finals week. Time that you don't get really during many of the other layoffs during this first portion of the schedule. Things will get consistent after the holiday break because of the conference schedule, but here at Christmas time is really your opportunity to take stock of where you are and let's see if we can get these adjustments covered over these next few days. Well, it's kind of like when you're home and you obviously want to spend time with your family, but also kind of how can you use that time to benefit yourself in preparing for the next leg of the season with you know watching basketball, watching back what you've done, just reflect in your own mind about how, how your season is going so far. One of the dirty secrets of college basketball is that these players do not get much of a Christmas. And in fact, I know all too well of the times that literally uh, players were meant to be back in town, meant to be back for practice because they had the first practice on the 26th. They had to be back at the airport Christmas night to be picked up as a group, to be taken back to Greeley to get ready for their – because the schedule was that tight. By the way, did you see that uh... – the way K-State celebrated the win in the locker room afterwards. Yes. Cam Carter screamed something into the camera, which was amazing, but they were listening to Christmas music in the locker room celebration. They were listening to Stevie Wonder Christmas music mm. in the locker room celebration. I'm sorry. I don't care who it is. I can't do Christmas. I- <laughs> can't do it. Dude, it's the day before, we're man. T- <laughs> well, the day before Christmas Eve. We're, we're right there. No, we're two days away. Well, yeah. Today's the 22nd. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm hopping days here. It's been that kind of week. I, I've had that cloud in in my brain too all week. It's foggy outside. It's foggy in my head. There you go. Yeah, it's yeah something. Uh, still to come in hour number one as we we take our first break. Uh, do have an update on Naquan Tomlin on when he could see the floor for the Memphis Tigers? Is it coming sooner or later? We'll find out in a little bit. Um, but coming up next, we'll be joined. It's been a while since we've had a chance to speak to Kellis. Robinette from the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle will get his thoughts on where K-State Hoops is right now before conference play starts in a little while with the final non-con game coming up on January 2nd. Kellis is next on the game.
It's the game on K-Man. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, and Owen Burke. Everybody bobbing their heads. It's a great song. It's one of the, I can I can go word for word with the song, actually. It's a great song. It's a subtle, it's a subtle. Nah, I'm not doing it. Yep. I can't oh. do it with him. I've got to sing along. I'm not yeah, a standalone voice. Yeah. <laughs> you're, not ready along. To do, you're not ready to do some karaoke. Uh, nah. Speaking right. of songs, the final number one song of the day that we will do will be coming up uh, later on in hour number two at about 540, along with Mitch in Vegas. We'll ask us anything plus the latest on Naquan Tomlin, and will he uh, be seeing the floor very soon for the Memphis Tigers? We got an update from Penny Hardaway. We'll bring that a little bit later on in this hour. We're now joined by Kellis Robinette from the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle. It's been a while since we've been able to talk to Kellis here on the game, so we appreciate his time. Kellis, earlier today you put out an article, and I remember you asking these question, this question to players not too long ago about their favorite Pop-Tart flavor. So let's get you on the record. What's your favorite Pop-Tart flavor? Oh, I'm a, I'm a big frosted strawberry guy. I used to put down a lot of those in my younger days. Uh, yeah, I would rip open the packages two of a minute, eat them for a snack, eat them for breakfast. Um, that's always been my favorite. I swear, everybody's answer to that is either the strawberry or the brown sugar cinnamon. Is there, I mean, anybody else? I mean, you can answer this if you guys want to. Does anybody like anything else other than those two flavors? Like the the double chocolate fudge one's real good too, but the brown sugar cinnamon is my go-to. Yeah, so. I'm gonna I'm going to be a fan of anything that has chocolate in it. Okay, that's my guy right there. Do you guys like the s'mores kind? I do, but a little a little too sweet for me in the morning. Yeah, I'm honestly not a huge s'mores guy. I can't lie to you. It's no no hate to it, but I think it gets a little played out every once in a while. Of course, it should be a part of everybody's balanced breakfast in the morning. Um, okay, so any thoughts, Kellis, on uh, the Pop-Tarts Bowl? I know we're six days away, but and we're waiting on to see if um, Peyton Wilson is going to opt out or not for NC State, but what do you like about K-State's chances right now? Yeah, well, it's been interesting to monitor um, – just in the sense that neither roster really looks like what it did when the bowl game was announced. Kansas State's lost about 20 transfers, and NC State is right there with them. Both teams have had some opt-outs, so it's been interesting to see the opening line was Kansas State favored by about a touchdown. Now it's closer to a pick just because <laughs> there's been so much roster change. It seems like most of North Carolina State's players who are sitting out or, or leaving the, the team aren't them. Um, quite as significant as Kansas State, so it's a somewhat dis- difficult game to handicap in that sense, but the wild thing about it is that even though Kansas State lost their quarterback, there's just a lot of excitement about Avery Johnson for this game. And I don't think uh, most people outside Manhattan really re- realize just how exciting of an opportunity it's going to be for him to play a full game. And um, Yeah, they're, they're probably in a better quarterback situation than North Carolina State, even though they just started uh, starting uh, – starting quarterback lead for the transfer portal. So interesting times, but uh, it, it should should be a fun game, I think. Yeah, and I agree. Um, another storyline about that game is that, of course, Colin Klein on his way to Texas A&M, and Connor Riley will get the uh, audition opportunity like Colin did two years ago in the Texas Bowl to potentially become the permanent offensive coordinator. I've asked a handful of people about how they feel about that. I'm kind of getting 50-50 either. Yeah, I'm great. Connor Riley deserves the opportunity. Or that maybe Kleiman should have extended the search for an offensive coordinator. On what side do you fall right now on that? 
I mean, I, I'm fine with letting um, letting him have an audition like they're saying that he's going to have here. Um, he's a very knowledgeable coach. He's helped Colin Klein in the past with blocking schemes, and he's been run game coordinator before. So he certainly knows the ins and outs of the offense. Um, everybody I've talked to thinks he's really smart, a good X's and O's guy, um, definitely understands everything that goes into making a good offense. The question I have is just that, you don't really see offensive line coaches promoted very often. I'm not really sure why that is. Um, every once in a while, you see somebody like Sam Pittman rise all the way up to head coach at Arkansas, but really you don't see those guys. Once, once you see a good offensive line coach, I don't know, they're just kind of pegged into that situation. They don't get a, a bump up. Um, and I kind of wonder if that's just because they have a little bit different view of the game uh, in terms of being a play caller. Um, you know, if you put a quarterback in there or, or a former receiver in there, they're going to want a balance attack. They're going to want to throw it. I think the fear is when you put an old line coach in there, they're just going to run the ball to death because um, that's what they, you know, really train their player. That's what they train their players to do is run block more than anything. So, to me, that's going to be the most interesting part about this game is how does he call plays? Is he going to come out and just pound the ball every every play with Avery and DJ? Or is he going to open things up and, and let Avery throw? So in that sense, I think this is a good opportunity for him to come out and show his philosophy, show what he can do with the offense, and then go from there. Um, I, I do think he has to put on a pretty good show here to get the full-time job. Um, I, I know people at Kansas State would be happy for him if he gets the job. He's well-liked in the locker room, and I think that's one reason why they're definitely giving him this chance because putting him in that situation stabilizes the roster. He's like I said, he's well liked. He's gonna prevent transfers. So uh, if he can do it, then sure, I think he's worth a shot. But um, if he comes out and you know doesn't doesn't look all that good here, and the offense is stagnant, then probably need to at least uh, make a few more phone calls and see who else is available. I think Connor Riley should throw caution in the wind and do what Colin did earlier this year, and that is start Jacob Knuth at at, at quarterback. Line up Avery like in the slot, fake the jet sweep, and then just send Avery down the hash marks and uh, throw the zipper to Avery for a touchdown. I, I think it'll work. I don't know. We'll see. Um, by the way, the bowl game on Thursday, 445, Power Kick game day will start at 1230 in the afternoon. All right, let's switch over to basketball. You were in uh, the T-Mobile Center last night. First of all, do we need more Buddy Rich? I think so. I was uh, a little disappointed he only got nine minutes of action last night. I thought he was great when he was on the floor. Ditto for when he was out there against Nebraska. Uh, He's just a big energy boost right now. Gets to the basket. Gets rebounds. Scores points. I mean, is he perfect? No, but you see the difference when he's in the game, and that's really what you want from a bench player. Um, You're not asking him to come in and be perfect. Just come in and help help the lineup while he's in there. I would love to see him get more like 15 to 20 minutes a game instead of the 5 to 10 he's getting. I think he's a difference maker already. Was it encouraging to see David Gasson score in double figures and hit a few free throws? Very encouraging because he, he needed that. Um, I, I've really been wondering what, what's been up with him this season. He's been playing with good energy, been good on defense, been good setting screens, being a team player. But when it comes to making shots and doing the things that show up in the stat sheet, he just hadn't been there. It's been perplexing. Um, he's been really, really bad from the foul line. I think going to that game, he was 
shooting like 26% for the season, which is just abysmal. It's almost to the point where you can't have a have a player on the court if they're shooting that bad. But he got gets out there yesterday and makes three or five three or five from the line, hits double figures, almost gets a double double. Um, I think that's a really good confidence booster for him. And, and sometimes, you know, you see these players who get in the swamps. All they need is one game to break them out of it. So maybe this helps them in that area. Kellis Robinette from the Kansas City Star. Wichita Eagle is our guest here on the game. Got a couple more for you, Kellis. Just looking at K-State as a whole offensively, you know, for most of this non-con, K-State's done a good job of finding ways to score the basketball, this time against Wichita State. They they just tried to pound it inside. Didn't you know, they? They take I think a tie for a season low in three pointers this year with eighteen, um, and uh, they were thirty three percent. But they wanted to pound it inside, get to the free throw line, and they did just that. But I know what this particular group, if they had Naquan Tomlin, that I think that's where the power the the, uh, the five out offense would really benefit if you had Naquan. But now that you don't have Naquan, are you a fan of the five out offense with this group? That's a good question. I haven't necessarily thought of it in that regard. Um, I I will say that if you have David playing at a higher level in scoring, then that really helps things. Um, but yes, it, to have the versatility with him in there to have the, to be able to play the four, the five, the three would be great. Without him, yes, it's a little less um, uh, potent, I would say. But you know what? Will, Will McNair is doing a good job in there at the five, and he's still making things work. So I don't know that I'd scrap it and go to go to something else. Um, but it is interesting because they they designed this offense with a few different things in mind, and that was uh, Naquan getting out there and giving us some versatility. And the na- next year, um, Patrick Nagamba coming in and being a difference maker inside. And neither one of them is going to play another game for Kansas State. So. Um, kind of interesting how things worked out there. Last basketball question. Um, conference schedule is you know, just right around the corner. There's just one non-con game left. And kind of said to the boys earlier that you know maybe gutting it out and uh, figuring ways to win it might be the MO of this team against this Big 12 schedule. Do you have an idea right now what the ceiling is currently for K-State? Um, I, I mean, I think it's probably a little lower than what I would have projected preseason just because um, the, the three-pointer hasn't been there as often as I thought it would be. Like Tyler Perry, for whatever reason, can only put together one good half a game. And, I mean, sometimes that's still more than good enough for him to win. Last night he only scores two points in one half and he still has 17. And they win by nine and everybody's happy. Um, but is that going to be good enough when you're playing Kansas and Houston and BYU? I don't know. I don't know. You might need to find a way to put 40 minutes together. And there will be nights when he's making threes and Cam Carter's making threes and David is putting in points like he did last night and everything looks great. Um, but there will be other nights where they're not making threes and things won't look so good. So I, I do think it'll be uh, like pulling teeth in some games. And I think, you know, 9-9, and 10-8 and eight would be a good, good record to target in Big 12 play. And maybe they get on a roll and they can, you know, finish in the top half of the conference standings. I think that would be a, a nice ceiling for them to shoot for. Certainly ideal. And if you're 500 in this conference, that most likely gets you to the uh, NCAA tournament. All right, to wrap up, are you going to Orlando before day of or after Christmas? What's your plan? Uh, I kind of waffled on this one. Um, originally, I thought about going before. For a while, I thought I was going on Christmas Day, but eventually I did book a fight on Boxing Day. So I'm out of here on the 26th, 
Uh, I'll get in in time to enjoy some nice weather for two days. Probably won't won't hit up an amusement park or anything like that. But you know what? As long as I get to eat some delicious pop tarts and maybe I uh, watch an Orlando Magic game or something, I'll have a good time out there. Did, did you see the burger that they're serving? Uh, I saw the um, tasting menu that they put out there. Yes, and, uh, I'm pretty excited about it. Yes, I uh, I look forward to reviewing those items. Um, I didn't know you could incorporate Cheez-Its and Pop-Tarts into that many items. Yeah, I was thrown by the fact that it's Cheez-Its, bacon, and the burger. Um, unfortunately, my heart winces when it sees things like that. But uh, the, the Cheez-Its were the, were the ultimate topper, I think, on that. Have to maybe take a slice. Kellis, can we get a uh, food item by food item review on Twitter? <laughs> I mean, I, I think I have to, right? I mean, yeah. Twitter, Twitter review, uh, article review, I, I'll, I'll do my best to make it happen. Because it's at 1 o'clock, and it's, I guess that would be that'd be three hours before the pep rally. It might be doable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It might be doable. We'll see. All right, Kellis. Well, looking forward to seeing you down in Orlando for the bowl game. Appreciate your time once again chatting with us here on the show, and we'll see you in a couple of days. Yep. Merry Christmas, guys. Merry Christmas to Kellis Robinette from the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle. Let's take a break. More of the game next. My God, the Pop-Tarts Bowl is all in on everything Foodwise are selling is somehow mixed in with Pop-Tarts or Cheez-Its. The grilled cheese sandwich is intriguing to me. Well, they're doing a chili dog. It's a foot-long chili dog. Yeah. Like, it looks like one you could get a Sonic. And it's loaded with cheddar cheese and chili, but also it's topped with Cheez-Its. Did you see the nachos? No. Can we... We, we got... Pop-Tarts bowl. Let's cool it with the Cheez-Its. Nobody likes Cheez-Its that much that we need it mixed in with everything we can eat. Cheez-Its, jalapeno queso, bacon, and green onions. It's gonna be a lot of that's a sodium filled trip to Orlando right there. Uh, an extra trip, yeah, for a guy who's had heart failure, it's not exactly a great idea, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you might need to be careful when you're down there. <laughs> They're selling a mac and mac and cheese, yeah, mac and cheese. It's nachos, like <laughs> extra Lasix. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm sure my doctor is going. You don't even don't even think about it. <laughs> As I was looking down our uh, our media itinerary. Um, Troy, we have two options for Wednesday night activity. Yes. We can either go to the Orlando Magic Philadelphia 76ers NBA game for free, but we got to make that decision soon. Okay. Or we can go to AEW because they're also oh, in Orlando right. the night before. Do you, what's the card looking like? I haven't even looked yet. Uh, Swerve, John Moxley, and um, Jay White. Oh, wow. Triple threat. How about if we figure out a way to have an NBA-WWE mashup with Joel Embiid? AEW. Sorry. I mean, uh, give him a break. Come on, I was rolling. Here's the only problem. It would be pretty easy to get to the Magic game. It's downtown. It's like a straight shot north of our hotel. We'd Uber or whatever. Right. Getting to the wrestling is going to be the challenge. So AEW is a 30-minute drive away from our hotel. It's clear it's the complete opposite side of Orlando. It's in uh, UCF's basketball arena, mm-hmm. some insurance company name. <laughs> so it, would be, it would be tough to get to, especially doing a show from the pep rally 
And when we get done, we're 30 minutes away from the show actually beginning. I'd love to go, but it, the Magic game will probably be a lot easier. By the way, to get to. Uh, while we were mentioning all the Cheez-Its things, the Pop-Tarts ice cream sundae does not sound bad. Kellis might go for this. Frosted strawberry Pop-Tart bites, vanilla ice cream, and strawberry sauce. I'm going to pass. Why? What's the problem there? It's too much. Uh, we're getting. Listen, that's what the trip's for. These people need to know they're not Chef Ramsay. No, but the, it's it's what the gig is, man. It's what the gig is. They you know, they recognize that you have to have these types of things. You know, speaking the Pop Tarts Bowl. I was looking at this earlier. The Pop Tarts Bowl is like the Copper Bowl. You know, the Copper Bowl's gone through a whole bunch of name changes. Yes, different stadiums, but it's all, been in the same area all the way back to when the joke was made uh, that you know it would have been nice to go to the Orange Bowl because at least oranges bounce. Someone throws a wiser lock at you; it's a little more painful. Well, the Pop Tarts Bowl wasn't originally the Pop Tarts Bowl. As a matter of fact, I believe this is the first year mm-hmm. it is the Pop Tarts Bowl. Last year is the Cheez Its Bowl. But this bowl game has been around since 1990. Do you remember the first um, sponsor for this bowl game back in 90 was? I do, but that's because I cheated a couple of weeks ago. Well, it was the Blockbuster Bowl. Mm -hmm. Oh, and you might be a little bit too young for Blockbusters, are you? I'm not, actually. There was one one in in my hometown back in in Derby that I went. I spent a lot of Friday nights in Blockbuster. It did. It was. It wasn't long through my childhood, but I did. I do have some memories. So the deal was, was at the time. They were in Miami. Yes. And playing at the Dolphin Stadium. Wayne Huizenga owned the Dolphins, and he owned Blockbuster. Well, there you go. That writes itself, doesn't it? Fun fact, I've never been to a Blockbuster in my life. Oh, when they Lord. were around, I never went inside really? one. It's because in Clay Center, we had two grocery stores that had video slash mm-hmm. video game departments. Mm-hmm. that you could go rent. And man, what a big deal that used to be. Go to the video store on a Friday, Saturday. You and your boys are going to rent a movie for a buck, and you mm-hmm. get to keep it for five days or a video game yep. sometimes. Yep. I, used to, I used to rent WrestleMania six all the time. Can't tell you how many times I've watched that main event between Hogan and Warrior. Um, but then after that, a couple of okay names. CarQuest was in there. Right. But this bowl game also used to be the Russell Athletic Bowl, and that made me think back. This is also nostalgic for me because – I mean, who didn't in the 2000s decade playing high school sports? Who didn't have Russell Athletic gear? <laughs> I think it was the you know the cheap end of gear, but yep. it was it was quality. I just remember like the regular clothes you could go buy in a store was just so cheesy, generic, yep. and nobody like if you wore that, you weren't exactly cool. For a while, Colorado State's uniforms were made by Russell Athletic. Our football gear at Clay Center was Russell Athletic at the yes, time. Yes, but I'm talking yeah. Colorado State. What year was that? That was still around 2001-2002. Wow. Yeah. Still repping yeah. Russell. Yeah, they were repping Russell until they got this current Under Armour deal. All right, let's take our last break of the hour. When we come back, the latest on Naquan Tomlin, when he is expected to play for Memphis in his first game as a Tiger. That update is next. You know, there's some rock songs in there and and stuff, right? Yeah, I have a very particular style, don't I? 
You do. You pick out the same ones once in a while. I do, yeah. And, and there's some serious Troy's old rock songs in there, too. Well, it's always tough because I don't, some of them have words. I don't want to play those. I So I these I know don't have words on them. So I'll just stick to them. If you really want some uh, Blink 182 and Taking Back Sunday, I think there's some John Kurtz uh, bets still <laughs> left over. All right. So the latest on Naquan Tomlin, um, it sounds like Naquan's going to play tomorrow, that early. Um, as he becomes bull eligible, as we transition into the next semester, um, Naquan Tomlin, who transferred over to Memphis to play for Penny Hardaway, who is a top 25 team. They've been on a hell of a run lately. I think they've just beaten four top 25 teams in a row. Yeah. It's at least three. It may be four, but, uh, they are playing Vanderbilt tomorrow afternoon and Penny Hardaway said that uh, pending some final clearance and some uh, some compliance today for Memphis that Naquan Tomlin might play tomorrow at 3 o'clock on CBS against Vanderbilt. <sighs> it's a crazy early start to the season there. All right, hour two of the game. Hit the latest on uh, the early headlines as we get closer to the Pop-Tarts Bowl as Hoops is now on a 10-day layoff for the men's team. Mitch in Vegas, the final number one song of the day as well is coming up. Hour two of the game and your local news is next.